one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. Please repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you'd minister to my heart. May your word be revealed to me today in a way that I understand it, so that I can speak it over my life and do it and see it change my life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we, we continue with our series, God, why did you do that? And today we want to talk about patterns of thinking. And I want you to realize, you know, we've been going through Romans 12, 1 and 2. And Romans 12 talks about the fact that uh, we need to offer our lives as a living sacrifice. A, a sacrifice is something that dies. In other words, we die to our own desires. We die to that which we want. We die to our own dreams so that we live for the dream of God. And then it says that when we do this, then we will be able to test and find out what the will of God is. And then it says in, in, in Romans 12 verse 2, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the, the, the message actually, or sorry, the NRT actually puts it this way. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Unless you're happy with all your hang-ups and all of your guilt and all of your drinking and all of the, the stuff that you do that you don't want to do. All right? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So how do you become a new person? Well, your thinking has to be transformed into a new person. And you have to have a new way of thinking. And then it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Now, in terms of this, what you're needing to understand here is that um, the first thing we need to realize is that the enemy controls everything in society. I'm not going to go through all the verses for now because you can go and look at the past sermons on, on Active TV on YouTube and you can go and find them free of charge. But the enemy controls everyone that does not know Jesus and that Jesus has called us to his purpose and his purpose was to destroy the work of the enemy. And so when we lay our lives down and we, we join Jesus, Everything in our life becomes about destroying the work of the enemy. And the other thing that we saw was that the children of God do what is right. So because of your thinking, because of the fact that your thinking has been changed, what happens is what you do now changes. And this is very important that you understand because many people, you know, like to, 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 to think that what you do doesn't matter. I want to tell you what you do matters. Then we also look to the fact that the good seed is the gospel message that is sown into the world. We looked at the parable with the land, the farmer who planted the wheat. We looked at all of these things and the enemy who came in and uh, the enemy is the devil. And so what we also saw was that everyone that is controlled by the enemy is represented by the weeds. Go and have a listen to that parable that we spoke about last week. 
And then the final point last week was those whose minds have been formed to the pattern of Christ will shine like the sun. There's a promise in Matthew 13 verse 43 for those who follow Jesus, for those who believe in Jesus. And the promise, the main promise is what happens after the grave. If you're a Christian because you believe you're going to get money out of the gospel, as many people that go to church do, or if you're a Christian just because of the miracles, at the end of the day you're settling for second best because this is the real promise of the gospel. Matthew 13 verse 43, then, and I'm talking about after the grave, okay, the gospel is all about having a hope beyond the grave. And in Matthew 13 verse 43 it says, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So if you have ears, then hear. But those whose minds are formed in the pattern of Christ are living for the fact that one day they will shine like the sun. Now we're going to talk at the end of the service about the, the blood of Jesus, specifically being the blood of redemption. And we're going to have a time of prayer for people with their issues. But I just want to go back again to Romans 12 verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. This world has a pattern. All right? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So every single day, your mind needs to be renewed. Transformation does not come through a government program. Transformation will not happen through a government program. Transformation happens when your mind is renewed. And then it says, when your mind is renewed, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now please understand that if you, if you do not have a renewed mind, you cannot test and know whether something's the will of God. There are so many people who are Christians that are saying they're doing stuff because it's God's will and they've lost the plot. They're off their plonk. They are deceived. They are foolish. They're up to nonsense and they think they're doing the work of God. And then you're no different to a Muslim who believes that they're serving God, who believes when they go and they say their salat, which is their prayers, and they go in there five times a day to a mosque and they go off to Mecca and they do all sorts of things. They think they're doing the will of God. And yeah, yeah is what you need to realize is that to this world, This world follows its own will. The world that you've grown up in, the world that you live in, follows entirely its own will. If you neglect the will of God, you do not even know what the will of God is. You're only going to know the will of God when you're interested in finding out what the will of God is. And then he says... When you have been transformed by the renewing of your, of your mind, then you will be able to test. Notice there's a testing. You've got to test whatever decision that you're making. You know, when you're making decisions in your life, you've got to test them. You know, when someone prophesies over your life, you know that you've got to test that prophecy. And everything's got to be tested. And let me tell you, the best way to test is the Bible. And some of you get bored when you read the Bible. You don't even read the Bible. So if you're not even reading the Bible, how do you know what the will of God is? The answer is you don't. Because if you just start reading the Bible, and if you start thinking about the kind of thinking that the Bible talks about, you will realize it's nothing like that which is promoted in the world. 
One of the things that you realize, the Bible says that when you face trials, those trials are often a good thing. Those trials purify your faith. It doesn't mean because something bad happens that you must go and shake your fist at God or swear at God because sometimes when the challenges of life comes, God has allowed it into your life because it begins to purify your faith. Now I want you to think about that statement. What is that which is good and acceptable in terms of the perfect will of God? And I want you to think about those, those words here. It says that the will of God is good. It says that the will of God is acceptable. It says that the will of God is perfect. So if the will of God is perfect, it is perfect for you. Now, the will of God is understood to be all the perceptive part of Christianity. In other words, that which you can perceive, that you can perceive. And all that you can perceive is not just good, it's excellently good. It is spectacularly good. And everything that is acceptable to God, when the Holy Spirit moves amongst us, there's a peace that comes with it. We know this is the will of God. We're assured that this is the will of God. Now the problem with the pattern of this world is that it's like being in a room with the light switched off. And I don't know if you've ever been in a room where the light switched off and there's no light coming into that room. In other words, what you can see is the same as a person who is blind would see. You cannot see what's going on. And now imagine if you're in this room where the light is switched off and you've never seen this room before. Imagine being in a room like that. It's pitch black. It's totally dark. You can't see anything. And now what happens is you're you're in this room. What begins to happen? You begin to feel around. And as you're feeling around, you begin to fill your imagination with a picture of what you think the room must look like. That's what you begin to do. And, and if you're in this room for long enough, as you're feeling around and you're building this picture in your mind, this picture you have in your mind becomes real. You think that your picture is real. But it's only when the light comes on that you see things, isn't it? When you're in the world, when your thinking is that of the world's pattern of thinking, then you need to understand that sin clouds your thinking. Sin clouds everything that you think. And, and so, so what happens is you, you, you're in the world, the, the, the pattern of the world clouds your thinking, and you don't know Jesus. And, and yes, yes I, I promise you this is the truth. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know the truth. I've said this a lot recently. But if you don't know Jesus, you really do not know the truth. And what you believe to be the truth is a lie, and that's guaranteed. It's guaranteed that the way you're perceiving everything, the way you, 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 you're thinking of the world and all of these things, it's guaranteed that what you perceive to be the truth is a lie. And every time you make a decision, you're making the, a, a decision resting on a foundation that is a lie. 
When a person perceives Jesus, when a person receives Jesus, when a person perceives the truth of Jesus, when a person gets their mind renewed, it happens when a person receives Jesus, and when a person receives Jesus, it's like God turns the light on in a dark room. I don't know if you've ever seen a place for the first time in the dark. You know, even if there's some artificial light around, when you see the room or, or, or a place for the first time in the dark, you build a picture of what it looks like. When the sun rises the next day and you see that same place that you've never seen in the light before, it always looks different. It always looks different. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says this, and I trust that this is true for you, what it's saying here. But it says, once your life was full of sin's darkness. Okay, there you see the picture. The Bible keeps talking about sin and darkness. Because you can't see when you're in sin. Don't ever, when you're sinning, don't ever judge someone else. Can I just give you a piece of advice here today? Don't ever judge someone else when you're sinning because you cannot see the truth. You do not even know if they're wrong. You might hate someone and have a huge amount of unforgiveness towards someone. And meantime, they're not even wrong. Once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you because of your union with Him. Your mission is to live as children flooded with His revelation light. That's the passion translation. The, the passion translation. The passion translation. Listen to me. The passion translation. Before a person has a Jesus encounter, everyone is blind. Everyone is blind, and they're blinded by sin's darkness. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. From the President of the United States, to the Secretary General of the United Nations, to those who lead the European Union, to the President of China, to President Cyril Ramaphosa, to the street sweeper, to the lawyer, to the judge, to anyone. To the married, to the single, to the gay, to the straight, to everyone. Everyone is blind. When a person has an encounter with Jesus, when they have a real encounter with Jesus, everything changes. And when you encounter Jesus, a union is created between you and Christ. I want you to understand, similar to what happens in a marriage, a union is created between you and Christ. And in that moment, something supernatural takes place. When you give your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is given to you as a seal of your salvation. And the moment the Holy Spirit is given to you, something incredible happens because the light of the Lord shines on you. And the light of the Lord shines in you. And if the light of the Lord is shining in your spirit and the light of the Lord is shining in your soul, then it is impossible from a spiritual perspective to be in darkness because wherever you go, the light goes because it's shining out of you. People around you can see it and you can see the world around you because the light of the Lord is shining through you. The light shines on every fact that you need to know before making decisions. Every fact, every single one, the light shines on it. And so when the light shines on every fact, 
What the light also shines on is the fact that God has given you a mission. You're not alive here just to live. You're not alive here just to have a good time. God gives you a mission. And what this verse is actually saying, and I love the way the, the, the Passion Translation puts it, is that you are to live as children flooded with revelation light. Now I want you to think about that term, revelation light. When you have a revelation, it means supernatural truths, eternal truths have been revealed to you. And then it says this, now live as people who can see. Wow. Actually live as someone who can see. Okay. It doesn't mean you come to church so that you can hear things so that you can see or so that you can see through, some, through what someone else has seen and then they tell you what it looks like. That's not the same as seeing. You've got to live as someone who can see because the revelation light of Jesus is on the inside of you. And I want to tell you there's nothing sadder than a man who can see living as a blind man. And a Christian who lives in spiritual darkness is like someone who can see living as though they were blind. How do you live as someone who is blind? Well, there's one of two ways. You can put two patches on your eyes and try to walk around, or you can just walk around the whole time with your eyes closed. And many Christians walk around with their eyes closed, saying, but I can't see, but I can't see. But all you have to do is lift up your eyelid. That's all that you have to do. And I want to tell you it's as easy as that. Because the light is so strong that when the light goes on in you, others will see it shine out of you. The only way that a Christian can live in darkness when they've had the revelation of Jesus is if they close their eyes. Now in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 9, and it says, And the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen in you. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Do people see that in you? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Do people see that you're right with God? That's what it means to be righteous. Do people see truth in you? You know that if people see truth in you, they will be attracted to you. And you know why they'll be attracted to you? Because when you hear nonsense all the time, it's a relief to hear someone that's brings you truth and you'll bring people truth not by what you say but even by who you are and here's the big thing when you are transformed by Jesus you cannot hide it you can try and hide it but you can't when you encounter Jesus the light of God goes on inside of you and it lights up every single area of your life and if you let it because this is the thing God doesn't do anything without you allowing it. If you let it, the glory of God will saturate every inch of your existence. There will not be one single millimeter or even one single nanometer or the smallest meter that you get. The billionth of a trillionth of a meter. There won't even be one little piece of you that won't be saturated by the light of Jesus. And when that happens, everyone around you will see it. I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm going to say to you right now. What the Bible says is there's nothing that attracts attention like a Christian 
who is shining the glory of the Lord. It attracts so much attention. It attracts so much attention, in fact, that if you go back into the Roman times, there was a time when the Roman Empire began to, to persecute the church. And when the Roman Empire began to persecute the church, these Christians were such incredible people that the glory of the Lord the whole time was shining on the inside of them. And then the Caesar at the time, who was the emperor, he would take these Christians and he would round them up. And he would take them into the arena in the Colosseum in Rome. And he'd put these guys with these gigantic crowds around them. He would put these Christians in the arena. And then they would open up the fences and hungry lions, lions that they had been starving, would be allowed into the arena. And the aim was that the lions would devour these defenseless men and women in the arena in Rome. And Caesar would, would have an expectation. And the expectation that he had was that the believers, when they saw the lions, would begin to cry, would begin to freak out, and would begin to scream in fear. And instead, you know what happened? They started praying. They started singing hymns. And as the lions came out, the glory of the Lord was on them. The joy of the Lord was all over them as they were being devoured. And this freaked Caesar out. If your enemy cannot defeat you, even in the moment when they're killing you, they've really lost out. And this is what happened here. Even in death, he could not defeat these Christians. And you know that this faith and the power that came from this faith is what caused Christianity to overtake the Roman Empire. And this is why I'm telling you today. If we have this kind of joy and this kind of faith, the light of Jesus on the inside of us will freak the enemy out. And the light of Jesus on the inside of us will freak out any person that is controlled by the enemy. And what does the light look like from the word? As I said, goodness, righteousness, truth, and it looks like the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mercy, faithfulness, self-control. You know, minor things like that. That's what it looks like. But there's a warning. When the light is on you, be careful who you hang with. Ephesians 5, verse 10 to 13. Then you will learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. Notice, then you will learn to choose what is beautiful. You, you notice, to choose what is beautiful to our, to, to our Lord is something you've got to learn to choose. Verse 11 says, And don't even associate with servants of darkness because they have no fruit in them. Instead, reveal truth to them. So you know there's a difference between associating with people and revealing truth to them. When I associate with people, they're my confidants, they're my advisors. When I have to make a decision, I go to them for advice. And he says, don't associate with them because they have no fruit in them. And then he goes on and says this, instead reveal the truth to them. Verse 12, the very things they do in secret are too vile and filthy even to mention. Every person you know that is not led by the Lord, that is not led by the Holy Spirit, has got things that are secret that are going on inside of them that are too vile and filthy even to mention. Whatever the revelation light exposes, it will also correct. And everything that reveals truth is light to the soul.
When the light is on, you learn to choose what is beautiful to our Lord. And what is it that the Lord sees as not beautiful? Well, one of the things that can be, it can be those who you associate with. The Lord warns us not to associate with him. Because they have no fruit in him. It means they're barren. They're barren. And because they're barren, they have nothing to offer you. I want you to listen today. When you associate with people like this, why do you associate with them? You associate with them because you want something from them. That's why you associate with them. But the thing is, Christian, they don't have the thing you want them to give you in the first place. And I don't care if this is a marriage relationship. I don't care if it's a business partnership. I don't care if it's a friendship. I don't care if it's a spiritual relationship. I don't care what kind of a relationship it is. You associate with them because there's something you want from them, but they don't have what you want from them. And so guess what you're going to end up? You're going to end up hurt and frustrated. You're going to get hurt by them because they haven't given you what you're looking for, and you're going to end up frustrated because they haven't given you what you're looking for, but they didn't have it to give to you in the first place. What do they have inside of them? The things they have inside of them are too vile to even mention in the Word. It's too vile for the Bible to speak about what is in their their heart and soul, what they do in secret. They have soiled their souls. In their soul and in their spirit there is destruction. Their spirits are wrecked and dead with guilt. They're so busy feeling bad about their lives and about what they've done. They're so busy covering that up. (laughs) How can they give you what you need? You're wanting relief. You're wanting companionship. You're wanting whatever it is you want from them. But they haven't got it to give you. It's not inside of them to give you. You have an unrealistic expectation of them. That's why the Bible says instead you reveal the truth to them. What does the Bible say you do with people like this? You don't associate with them. You reveal the truth to them. You preach the gospel to them. You freak them out. Let them call you a Jesus freak. They should be calling calling you a Jesus freak. If they're not calling you a Jesus freak, then something is wrong. And the truth could change their lives. Why do I say the truth could change their lives? Because of what the Bible says. Everything the revelation light of God touches... It exposes. It exposes everything and it corrects it. And then it says this, it is light to the soul. What is the light to the soul? Light to the soul brings relief from the heartache of life. You know, people are drinking because they want relief from the heartache of life. You know, people are taking drugs because they want relief from the heartache of life. You know, people are stealing because they want relief from the loneliness of life. People are doing all of these things because life produces heartache. It produces destruction. It produces a death that lives inside of you even before you've physically died. 
And now I want to go into a time where first of all I want to share with you again about the blood of Jesus. Because as we're standing here today, I want to tell you in terms of all of these things, there is no solution other than the blood of Jesus. There is no solution. This is why those of us who have this, we should be telling people about it. Because they're hurting. Even if they think they're not, they're hurting. And you don't have to sit with people for long to find out about their hurt. It's very quick. Isaiah 53 verse 4 and 5. Surely our griefs he himself bore. All of these things are causing these griefs, yet Jesus bore it. In other words, he wore it. In other words, he carried it on him. You know, there's a sport called basketball. Many of you do not know basketball. So right now the NBA finals are going on. The two best teams in the National Basketball Association League are busy playing each other. From the Western Conference, it's the Golden State Warriors. They come from uh, San Francisco, the Bay Area in California. On the other side is the Boston Celtics. They're from Boston, Boston in Massachusetts. And they're going at it. And Boston was 2-1 up. They played on Friday night or Saturday morning our time. Steph Curry had this. He's one of their players. Probably the best player there is now at the moment. And uh, <laughs> But he scored 43 points out of his team's total of 107. And what, they, what did they say about him? He carried his team on his back. Now, there's another player that used to play in the 90s called Michael Jordan. They called him the Black Jesus. He's not the Black Jesus, but they, they actually, basketball is guilty of blasphemy. But when you look at this, he carried his team on his shoulders. Listen, Jesus carried the world, not just a team of five basketball players on his shoulders. He carried your griefs on his shoulders. He carried everything. You know, we, we respect the sports star that carries their team on their shoulders. What about Jesus? He carried that team plus every other team in the NBA on his shoulders, plus everyone that watched every team, plus everyone in America that didn't watch that team, plus all of you, most of you didn't even watch that stuff. You don't even know what I'm talking about. He carried the whole world. A church in Nigeria which got shot up by Muslims in, in Nigeria last week Sunday. They ran in vo, 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 somewhere between 50 and 100 died. Jesus carried the, perpetra the perpetrators of that gruesome crime and he carried every church person that died and he carried every church person that didn't die and he carried the church in Nigeria on his shoulders. All of their grief. Surely our griefs he bore and our sorrows he carried. What sorrow have you got that Jesus carried for you, but you haven't allowed him to carry it? You've held on to it. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken. We thought he was being punished for himself. Smitten by God and afflicted, we thought God has rejected him. 
You said you'd save others. Come down from that cross. <laughs> That's what we thought. We mocked him. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. The chastising for our well-being, that is the punishment that was needed for us to have peace with God. Because with sin, we have no peace with God. But the punishment that needed to happen for our sin, so that we could have peace with God, and the reason punishment needs to happen for us to have peace with God, is so that there's justice. Without Jesus, there is no justice. You know, some people talk about social justice. There's no such thing. Without Jesus, there is no justice. Because all of us have sinned.
see us coming.